The Suncoast Culture Club podcast is proudly sponsored by the State College of Florida Foundation, dedicated to providing lifelong education to artists, actors, musicians, and dancers in the Suncoast region. Hi, this is Robin Bell, Director of Instrumental Studies at the State College of Florida, and this is the Suncoast Culture Club podcast. Welcome to the club. The Suncoast Culture Club podcast is your weekly dose of what's happening in the performing and visual arts this week on Florida Suncoast, including interviews, reviews, discussions, behind-the-scene tidbits, and insider trading. Join State College of Florida Arts faculty and staff members as they bring you all the arts happenings on the Suncoast, from music to dance to art to theater. Come along and join our club. If I say tango, what pops into your head? An image of a beautiful dance? The unmistakable sound and rhythms of the Argentinian groove you are hearing right now. Maybe you see Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis doing their famous tango from the film True Lies. Either way, I bet it brings you a longing to watch and hear live performances. Feed that longing by heading to the historic Oslo Theater in Sarasota this weekend to watch the Sarasota Contemporary Dance Company perform alongside a trio of musicians that includes world-renowned harpist Ann Hobson Pilot, concertmaster of the Venice Symphony Marcus Rotzenbach, and Argentina native virtuoso bandonian player Rodolfo Zanetti. They are bringing us an entire performance of music by famed tango composer Astor Piazzolla and dance choreographed by Sarasota Contemporary Dance co-founder Lemos Bolaños Wilmot. You have four chances to attend in person. Those dates and times are Thursday, November 19th at 7.30 p.m., Friday, November 20th at 7.30 p.m., Saturday, November 21st at 7.30 p.m., or Sunday, November 22nd at 2 p.m., all at the historic Oslo Theater at the intersection of 41 and University. Not up for attending a live performance just yet, but are dying to see this? No worries. This performance will be virtually streamed through the Oslo's digital theater using multi-camera angles that will allow at-home audience members to feel as if they are sitting right in the theater. Tickets for the virtual viewing are available for Friday, November 20th at 7.30 p.m., Saturday, November 21st at 7.30 p.m., and Sunday, November 22nd at 2 p.m. Tickets to attend in person are $50, while tickets for the at-home virtual viewing are $25. All tickets can be purchased online at sarasotacontemporarydance.org backslash tickets, or by calling 941-260-8485. Whether you attend or vtend, you will not want to miss the SCD plus Piazzolla collaboration with Ann Hobson Pilot. Now, enjoy this Suncoast Culture Club episode as Kelly Burnett and I interview Lamus and Ann about their careers and this very special performance of Piazzolla Tangos. Today, I have asked the SCF dance instructor and one of my co-hosts, Kelly Burnett, to join me on what is sure to be an incredible episode as we learn more about a unique and intriguing collaboration between the Sarasota 
contemporary dance company led by their artistic director, Lemus Bolaños Wilmot, and a trio of musicians, including the acclaimed harpist and Hobson Pilot. We have both of these amazing ladies here with us today. Lemus and Anne, welcome to the club. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Before we dive into the performances coming up this weekend, let's take a moment for the two of you to tell us about your journey to the Sun Coast. Lemus, we'll start with you. Where are you from? Where were you trained? And what did you do before you came to the Sun Coast? And what led you to create Sarasota Contemporary Dance? Well, I am from Hialeah, Florida, down south. I'm a Floridian at heart, born, raised. And then I went to Florida State University, which is how I connected with Sarasota because they had a dance program called FSU Dance Sarasota was a dance outreach program. So that's what the first initial connection to Sarasota. And I am a dance maker, so my work had been performed here. But then I moved here to run the dance outreach program, FSU Dance Sarasota. And shortly after, they pulled the funding. But I was creating dance and made beautiful connections with people like you, Kelly, and the community. So now I have been here for 15 years, founded Sarasota Contemporary Dance, formerly Fusion Dance Artists. And I'm a dance instructor at New College of Florida. And I am a mom of two beautiful children and married to my husband 15 years next week. So a lot happens in 15 years. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? And next to Pat Sajak and Vanna White, who I got to meet when I was 15 years old and my dad won three bonus rounds on the Wheel of Fortune, you are probably the most famous person I know, especially in the music world. Some people listening to this podcast won't need an introduction of really either of you. And I know we won't have time to visit about all of your accolades, but Ann Hobson Pilot, do tell us about your career and maybe a top three or four things that you've been able to do or have been recognized for in your life as a harp player. And listen, no pressure. You do not have to include soloing with the SCF Bradenton Symphony Orchestra on that list. (laughs) You mean the other BSO? You got it, girl. I spent 40 years of my career with the other BSO, Boston Symphony Orchestra, which was a wonderful, wonderful thing. What a wonderful time. Great conductors and we traveled all over the world. So I retired in 2009 because it had been 40 years and it was like, well, maybe I should try something else now. (laughs) And one of the biggest honors of my career was that the conductor of the Boston Pops and the very famous composer, John Williams, wrote a harp concerto for me to honor me. And it's dedicated to me. And it was played at one of the most famous harp competitions in the world, the Israel competition. So that was a big honor. I've also got the Golden Baton Award, which was given by the League of American Orchestras and had previously been given to such luminaries as Leonard Bernstein and Aaron Copeland. The year after I got it, Yo-Yo Ma got it. (laughs) That is something to hang your hat on. And then I've gotten three honorary doctorates and a big deal. I've gotten to perform twice with Sarasota Contemporary Dance and Lamus. That's very cool. And what made you and your husband decide to move down to the Sun Coast? Well, we lived in Boston for you know all those years with the snow and ice and all. And we really didn't want to keep shoveling snow in our later years. Actually, before we discovered Sarasota, We had bought a home in St. Martin, and we lived there for, I guess it was... 
15 years. And then as we got older, we realized that healthcare wasn't all that great and you know, you have to travel internationally every time you go there. And some neighbors of ours had bought a house here in Sarasota. And they said, oh, you have to come, you have to see it. So we came and we fell in love with Sarasota. And that was the end of that. Well, and Sarasota fell in love with you for certain. That's true. Lamus, tell us about this collaboration between you and Anne and how that all first came together. Well, I heard a CD that Anne had originally arranged for the harp. It's inspired by Astor Pantaleon Piazzolla's music. And I was just really taken by it. Obviously, I met Anne and I was so impressed with her and who she is and what she's done for women of color and just a trailblazer and also just brilliant at her skill as a musician. So there was multiple things that I was really attracted to her as an individual and then obviously the music. And then shortly after I met her, I went to Argentina and then forget it. I was like sold. I had seen Argentine tango done and performed in the country where it originated from, and I was just completely moved and inspired. I'm not an Argentine tango dancer. I do aspire one day. So then we just met and we just started talking about it, and it was just a very easy process. And she had these world-renowned musicians that she was inviting to be part of the project. And I was excited to meet like Rodolfo, which is a Bandonian player, and to have him here in Sarasota. And she had brought a woman, Thai, from France. And so just the people that she surrounds herself with is also high-quality musicians. We're so lucky in Sarasota to have Anne and the fellow artists that are performing. We have Marcus now performing with us as violinist, and he's local as well from Venice. So I'm just really thrilled to have these caliber of musicians working with us. And the music is so rich, and it has like the jazz influence and the classical influence. So it just really felt right for me. I didn't feel like I was trying to work with music that I couldn't identify with or I couldn't be inspired by with. On the contrary, like it was just overwhelming. So excited to be able to do this again for the second time. I feel like it's very rare when you put so much heart and time into a project and then it disappears. And because we do live performance, to be able to revisit it to deepen it with different dancers and allowing them to give new life to it with a new violinist. It's just really such a gift, especially in the times that we're living. You know, Lameness, I really love what you said. Piazzolla's music is so, I call it organic. You know, maybe it's written down and it's sort of, you know, academic, but it's also so Argentinian and so just organic. I can see where that would be really inspirational to the both of you. And who exactly did the arrangements of the Piazzolla music you'll be performing? They were done by a former harp student of mine who was a student of mine for five years at BU in Boston. And he also studied composition there. So when I discovered the music of Piazzolla and fell in love with it, especially after I retired in 2009, I spoke to him about doing these arrangements. And, I mean, he did these incredible arrangements. I believe every arrangement on the program was done by him. Michael Maganuco. Okay, fantastic. And you've told him you're performing this again? Yes, he, he was thrilled the first time, and he's thrilled now. And he saw the production from last time, and he's very excited. He will be able to see it this time, though, because it will be live stream. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Now, you obviously are playing harp, and you have two other musicians who will be playing with you as well. And Lama sort of alluded to them, but tell us who they are and what instruments they are playing. Marcus Ratzenbach 
is the concertmeister of the Venice Symphony. And when Ty Murray, who played three years ago, and she actually lives in Germany, she couldn't come because of the virus and all. A friend of mine introduced me to Marcus. He's wonderful also. And the Bandonian player is the same one from three years ago. His name is Rodolfo Zanetti. He's originally from Argentina. And it was funny because I asked him if he could do these performances, which were originally supposed to be in December. Then when we changed it to November, he said he couldn't do it because he had a conflict. He had another concert that he had to play. So we looked all over for a Bandonian player, <laughs> and that didn't work. So fortunately for us, his performance in Connecticut for the same weekend was canceled so that he was able to come. Now, for the listeners that don't know what a bandonian is, the best way that I can describe it is a kind of a form of an accordion, right? That, that would put the best image in your head? Exactly. Exactly. They call it a button accordion. So instead of having keys like the piano has, they have buttons on either side. And he makes it an, it's an incredible instrument. It's a small instrument, but with a big sound. Yeah, I'm very, very excited to listen to that. And if you are an ethnomusicologist fan and you kind of want to some non-traditional orchestral instruments, this is a really great performance for you to attend. All right, Lamus, we were talking about this earlier, Robin and I. I'd like to ask choreographers, do you read music? No, and this actually happened the first time I met with Anne three years ago. And I was like, nope, I don't read music. <laughs> I feel the music, but I don't read it. I mean, I had music class, but I didn't continue it. I know music, but not to read what they're playing. No way. I would have to go back to school for that. And how do you find that to communicate with an amazing musician like Anne? How do you do that as a choreographer? We speak such different languages sometimes. So how do you communicate what you're wanting to achieve? When Anne came the first time three years ago, she came into rehearsal. She sat right next to me while I was playing the CD and she was going through her notes. And then I was like, oh, in this section and the dancer cue the musician to start those kind of conversations we started having. And then I got so inspired by the music that there was one part that I had choreographed longer than the recorded version so that they were able to loop it again. So it was us really wanting to make this collaboration work. And a lot of it was very seamless because I am very musical. I don't read music, but I'm very musical. So I was accenting the pitches of the violin or the subtleties of the harp or just various things just happened. And I loved hearing the different musical instruments and actually choosing that to like accent in certain parts. And that's how kind of I with the composition. But even Anne came back to rehearsal last week and sat next to me too and just was going through her notes and I was looking at, and it was just magic. As the best collaborations are, right? You know, I call that musical landmarks when it's like, okay, you're going to turn when this clarinet sound goes or whatever. You know, it doesn't always have to be so specific to the pitch, so to speak, or to that note or to that measure even. So Piazzolla is famous for his tango. So that must have been super fun for you to choreograph. I know how much you love that. Tell us, do you write your choreography down? Many people actually write their compositions down. Some don't. So how do you go about that? I'm always fascinated by that process. Well, I feel like I continue to evolve as a dance maker. And I feel like in the beginning, I was so specific on making sure the dancers got the movement exactly how I choreographed it or how I phrased it together. And I feel like the more I've collaborated with musicians, the more I've collaborated with visual artists, my dancers are collaborators as well. They are an integral part of the crafting. And so depending on the dancer that's in front of me, 
I want to challenge them or if I want to use their strength, that's going to inform what I do. So I feel that now where I'm at in the position I am, a lot of times when I'm choreographing, I'm going from impulse. And then I'm relying on my dancers to pick up the essence of it. I'm not so much interested in them looking like me. I'm really interested in them capturing the essence of it, especially with this kind of collaboration, the musicality of it, and then going from there. And that's how I shape it. So I don't have to memorize every bit of it, but I do love the fact that we have video. We've definitely have been using video for the last at least 12 years, I can say, of the company of documenting rehearsals, going back, looking at it, using that to rehearse and also to actually be able to have a perspective, like to go home, see it and then like, oh, I like that or I didn't like that. So we've used technology really to help remember the work and, and keep the integrity of it. The interesting thing with this collaboration is that Rachel Lambright is my rehearsal assistant which she was my apprentice when we did it the first time. And she was what I call like a swinger. You know the term, Kelly. She had to learn everybody's part. So how wonderful that she's now the rehearsal assistant and she's actually getting to perform it. She's sharing one of the lead parts. So I actually have her that has embodied the work and also Melissa Rummel, who is one of the original cast dancers that has embodied the work. So I am extremely blessed. And then to have two of the musicians like Anne and, and Rodolfo as well. I mean, it's definitely been a very, again, joyful and pleasant process so far. Lamus, it makes me laugh when I think about this because I used to be a high school band director and I had a marching band, if you can believe that, how far I have come. But I would tape the shows and we would watch them you know, as a group, and I'd go, who is that right there, out of step? And I can imagine you, you know, playing back your dances, going, look how they spun too early, and I totally get that. It's a great tool. It is. You just don't want to be the one that's on the tape going bad there. So, and let's go back in time to Friday, March the 13th, 2020. I'm sure, like all of us, you found your very busy performing calendar suddenly all clear. Is this your first performance in the past eight months? Actually, it is. My last performance was March 11th when I played in Sanibel with the Boston Chamber Music Society. They had flown in from Boston. We rehearsed. And then we went down to Sanibel and gave a performance. And uh, that was it. Everything else has been canceled. I'm not doing a ton of concerts anymore, but all of the few that I was supposed to do have been canceled. And I have been asked to do some virtual ones. And what's kept you busy during the COVID-19 shutdown? Well, originally, my husband was expecting back surgery in August. So we used the months between March and August to do a lot of swimming because we built a 40 by 16 foot pool in our backyard. And we knew once he had the surgery, he was not going to be able to swim for a while. So we were swimming a lot. And I even took several months off from practicing, which felt good, actually. <laughs> I bet it did. Did you lose the callus on your fingers? Well, and actually, I, I would do some exercises couple of times a week just so I wouldn't use the calluses. But now that uh, we're in full-blown rehearsal mode, I'm definitely back to practicing. Well, you know, all of our concerts were canceled as well here at the college and also the pops. And of course, Silly Me goes and starts a podcast because I don't have enough stuff to do. So we're... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Lavis, that actually brings us to our next question, because the whole reason that Robin really started this was we were hoping to offer performing arts entities in this community a platform and an opportunity to keep themselves in the public eye. You haven't really needed our help with that. This has been such a testament to you and Sarasota Contemporary Dance that you've been able to survive the shutdown and come out swinging and performing sooner than most. As a matter of fact, in that time, you've also celebrated an anniversary, a big anniversary. I know that you are in your beautiful new space, so you've had so much happening. Tell us how the shutdown has affected your company and what have you been able to do in this time to stay connected with your dancers and your patrons, besides obviously this beautiful show? Well, I think what happened was as a contemporary dancer artist, we have to improvise. And as artists, I feel like that's the skill of having to be in the moment and having to make choices. And I feel like that I've definitely been stretched and exercised to do that, staying within what's our mission, what's our purpose. And then what's my mission and what's my purpose? One of the things obviously is I'm a huge advocate for my dancers, for my company, for the health and mental wellness of what dance brings to people. So I was like, we need to keep moving. We need to keep creating. I felt like there was a sense of urgency to continue to make work. So we did the whole water dance project that was all through Zoom with my dancers all in their homes. We did an outdoor project that there are actually 15 short video dances that are being released throughout the season. And I am not a dance on camera person. I have no skill sets, but I felt like there was an urgency for me to get behind the camera and show my dancers. And we were calling it us, United Sisters, and sharing a different perspective of the Rosemary District and the voice of what makes Sarasota Contemporary Dance and these beautiful women in our company. So I had to be stretched in different things and recognizing that I might not have the skill set or the training yet in this, but I still have to create something that has integrity and has a reason, not just to put something to put something, but still have a reason. There is a sense of the mother hen of me. We have a space, which is such a blessing and it's unheard of for a contemporary dance company to have a space and we're paying rent. So we're not going to have a space just sitting there. So I was like, this is our home. When you walk in through our door, it says, welcome home. I said, this is a home. We can create a safe space in our home. So the dancers have had to sacrifice. We have to stay within our bubble. They're having to get tested biweekly. And this was a choice because we know how precious it is during this time right now to continue to be able to dance and also community. One of the things that I've always been attracted to dance, and I was instilled at a very young age, that dance was family, that dance was community. So I... I felt there was a sense of like, we need to gather. So we've been able to do it so far healthy. Thank God for that. So we came back in June and then we offered a virtual summer intensive. And we started shortly after rehearsing for Piazzola and trying these other projects, like I said, the site-specific work and stuff. So it's been a lot of listening. I catch myself listening a lot to my dancers and their needs, making sure that they're not doing something because they feel like they won't have a job. Because I'm very clear with that. If you don't feel comfortable coming to the studio, you do not have to be here. You're an adult and your health is the most important thing. So you also know I'm a woman of faith. So I just prayed over my home, which is my studio. I pray over my dancers and just have to trust. It's like their family. So we just have to really be aware. And, and now having these musicians coming in, we know how precious that is. So nobody's taking risk. We're really doing the best we can to stay emotionally and physically healthy 
and to make sure that we are holding each other accountable. So it's cultivating community again, and maybe a different way and really being aware of like one decision, how it can affect others. Yeah. You know, that's a mantra and I love hearing it. Thank you for sharing that with us. I have a kind of a two-part question. The first is informative. Give us the performance details. What are the dates, the time, the venue? How much does it cost? What are my streaming options? Yes. So our performance is November 19th through the 22nd. So it's Thursday through Sunday. The live performance is at the historic Oslo Theater, which is on the Ringling Museum grounds. And it's at 7.30, Thursday through Saturday. So there's evening shows. And then Sunday, it's at 2 o'clock. We are doing digital theater option. And that option is available Friday through Sunday. Same times. Friday at 7.30, Saturday at 7.30, and Sunday at 2. The in-person ticket is 50 but we do have student rush for $15. We are requiring everyone to wear a mask. We are taking temperatures before you come in and you will be socially distanced. We only are accepting 50 audience members per show. It's a theater that sits like 260 and it has three tiers. And that's the guidelines that the Ringling has been using the historic Oslo and it seems to work for their film series as well. And how could people either get a ticket, one of the 50s, or get access online? So for our in-person tickets, you can purchase tickets online through our website, which is www.sarasotacontemporarydance.org and the digital theater as well. And those are $25. And just to let people know, our digital theater, I have a hard time seeing dance on camera, to be honest, unless it's created for the camera. So our digital theater is a little different. It's not like you were just sitting in the theater as an audience member. I really wanted to offer an immersive experience for our audience at home. Some of the people staying home are patrons that have been following us for the 15 years. So I wanted to give them something a little special. So sometimes they feel they're on stage with the dancers. So there's really close-up shots, there's overhead shots, so you can see the patterning of the choreography, and sometimes it's the frontal. So it's a very immersive experience. So it's a little different. They're moving, they're listening to the music, and they're practically moving with the dancers. So the people at home are part of the experience, and they're having a kinesthetic experience. It could even be more enhanced. If I can see things from above and see those patterns from there, that could even be a neater experience from home. And I think that the digital stage and the digital theater has accomplished that. They've done a great job of the Oslo. Kudos. And you know what? We're going to put links to your website in our show notes so people that are listening can just click and go right to your website to get those tickets either in person or the digital theater. We had a few people that came and saw it in person because we did a performance in October and tried this kind of approach. And then they also bought a virtual ticket because they wanted to see it from a different perspective. Yeah. And Lamus and Ann both, are the dancers or are the musicians doing anything differently during COVID to protect themselves? And are the musicians, you guys wearing masks or anything? We are not wearing masks when we are performing. It's just hard to breathe, but we do wear it on the way to our instruments and when we leave the stage. Okay. Yeah, Lemus, I was going to say, you mentioned the bubble. Has it impacted any partner work? Are you still able to do your Parkinson's classes? Yeah, we're still doing the dance for Parkinson's class through the Parkinson's place. They've gone all virtual and actually they've been able to reach more people and they actually have more classes. The program has actually grown 
I continue to teach virtually for New College of Florida. The dancers are not wearing masks on stage, but like Anne said, anytime we're in and out of the theater, we need to have the mask unless we're on stage. That's kind of what we do here at the studio too. So. And I think probably similar to us at the college, and I know the Sarasota Orchestra, they've got now this kind of elaborate fogging system that they do where they fog all the interior spaces. So I'm sure that they're incorporating that as well. I feel so protected when I've been fogged. (laughs) 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 So we have come to the fun part of our podcast, ladies, where Kelly and I get to ask you some rapid fire questions. So hold on to your hats. Here we go. Anne. New England Patriots or Tampa Bay Bucks? New England Patriots. Ah. <laughs> Even though we have Tom Brady now, you're still? <laughs> I love it. Well, I was in New England forever, so. I hear you. Fair enough. Lamus, uh, I, this is hard. It's like asking your favorite child, I know. Tango or cha-cha? Tango, for sure. <laughs> Certainly Piazzolla, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, and... Boston Commons or Historic Spanish Point? Historic Spanish Point. Oh, nice. All right, Lamas. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Mm. Sunset with cocktails. <laughs> there you go. Well, I would have said sunrise with coffee because I'm a mom and I'm up at sunrise usually. But sunset if I want to just be there by myself sitting down and enjoying. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I hear you. All right, Anne. Playing in an orchestra or soloing with an orchestra? Soloing with an orchestra. Oh, yeah, that's my girl. She wants to be front and center. I love it. Nice. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's another fun one, and you can fill in one of your own names. Do you prefer beer or wine or perhaps another type of cocktail? Vino, 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 vino rojo. Vino, there you go. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Good. All right, and this one's going to be hard. Take a second if you need to think about it. Moving a harp or moving an elephant? Moving a harp. (laughs) (laughs) There's not much difference, though. You know, that's part of the harp career. It's not just learning to play it, but uh, transport it. I mean, you got to take that thing when you go car shopping, don't you? (laughs) She has a down pack, let me just say. She has a down pack. It rolls in and rolls out. Yep, first chair harp mover, no doubt. (laughs) I love it. All right, Lamas, do you prefer to perform or choreograph? Mm, definitely. I feel like a, I've, well, I'm actually having to perform this Saturday at the same time, some virtual thing I'm doing. And I'm definitely glad that I choreographed. That's all I'll just say. So definitely right now as a choreographer. <laughs> you know, I have to say the same thing because I conduct an orchestra and sometimes people say, don't you ever want to play your trumpet again? I go, oh my gosh, no, never. I just, I just feel like I'm not training like my dancers. Yes. That's the thing. I feel like if I was training like them, then I would, yeah. So right now, choreographer. Fair. Love it. <laughs> All right. And playing in a full symphony orchestra or playing chamber music? Playing chamber music now. Yeah. Nice. All right. Lamas, beach or mountains? Oh, beach. I'm a Florida girl. But I love mountains. I love the mountains. But if I can get to the beach once a week, I would be the happiest girl. There you go. Yeah. And beach over swimming pool. For sure. And probably swimming pool over beach, aren't you? Well, I love the beach. But, um, you know, when we were in St. Martin, we used to go to the beach all the time. 
but we're not in St. Martin and the beach is a little bit further away. So swimming pool. <laughs> the swimming pools are a little, in my opinion, cleaner. The beaches with the wind and the sand, I just feel, I get dirty, but boy, in the swimming pool, I just feel clean. I don't know what it is. Okay. This is the last question and it's for both of you and you have to answer at the same time. So you kind of have to like count to three and then give your answer and we'll see what it is. Okay. This is a really important question. I don't know. I'm I'm concerned, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where you go with this. Roundabouts or stoplights? Roundabouts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, count to three. I'm not a good counter. <laughs> no, but but this proves my point. Lamus likes the roundabouts and likes the stoplights. Correct. So it's like 50-50. And yeah. you talk to one person and they're passionate. I, for one, feel I'm going to die in a roundabout. I'm just certain. <laughs> but people don't like sitting at the three-hour stoplights here in Florida. So completely get it. Well, Lamus and Anne, congratulations. You are now officially part of the club. Kelly and I both know how busy you are this week getting this performance ready for this weekend. And we want to thank you for taking time to speak to us today about the uniqueness of this performance and sharing some insider tips and trading with us. Congratulations on producing concerts during this time for bringing the Suncoast some much needed joy by sharing your talents and your innovative ideas. We know it's going to be hugely successful. I can't wait to see it. Please come back on the podcast anytime to talk about any upcoming performances you may have. Thank you both. Thank you, Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Suncoast Culture Club podcast. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Suncoast Culture Club. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. That helps a lot. But most importantly, head over to our website, suncoastcultureclub.com. While there, you can send us a message requesting we cover a certain person, organization, or event. And then you can click the all-important Donate tab. All donations to the Suncoast Culture Club podcast go to the State College of Florida Foundation to help support the SCF Arts Education students and programs. Thank you for joining our club. We look forward to culturing with you next time. Stay well. This has been Robin Bell.